Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast, and thank you very much for listening. Today, we are sponsored, as always, by Land Insight, which is the ultimate tool for people to find all the deals that they need. It's something which I use on an almost daily basis. I use it to find land and work through comps, and I use it to find similar properties as well to do my due diligence. Now, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, let me ask you why the hell you aren't. Because all we talk about on this podcast is property deals. So we talk about how they were found, how they were funded, and all those kinds of things. And we also have investors on talking about why they invested in deals. So if you are looking for investors or you're looking for deals, this is the podcast for you. I'd just like to do a quick shout out to Aaron, who gave us a really good review on iTunes as well. That means the absolute world to me. Guys, if you have got something from this podcast, please do write me a review on iTunes or share it on social media. It would be great. So today I have an absolute, and I always say absolute legend, but I only speak to legends I have an absolute legend of the property development world and investing world. Now, this guy has an incredible company, someone I've got so much respect for, and we've just had the best chat that we probably should have recorded before this podcast, but I'm sure I'll get him back on and we'll do that. Today, I have Evan Maindonald from Melt Homes. Evan, how are you doing? Very good, Ryan. Thank you very much for that um, fantastic introduction. Um, much, much appreciated. And um, I've been looking forward to uh, to doing this podcast for some time. So thanks for uh, inviting me to join you. Oh, you're smooth. You are. So <laughs> why don't you tell the people who don't know who you are a little bit about you? Okay. So um, I've been in doing property in investment for over 25 years. Um, I started my company, Melt Homes, in... 2002, and since then we've built over 100 properties in London, Gloucestershire, and Kent, with end values of around 22 million pounds. We're currently working on four projects um, it, across London, uh, across London, Gloucestershire, and Kent, and those projects have end values of around 50 million pounds. Um, in that time, we've also built up an investment property portfolio of around 50 residential and commercial properties. So that, that's a that's a very brief summary of what we do. I think that's a Excellent uh, introduction there. So this whole um, podcast experience now is all about finding property deals and people talking about them. And you're, you're a really good guest because you've actually got two of your favorite deals and they fall into both categories. So why don't we start with, well, I'll let you pick. Why don't you pick the, um, the one you start with, whether it's your favorite deal that you've completed or the favorite one that you've invested in? Yeah. Now, I think um, what I, Ryan said at the beginning of the podcast that um, we, we are property, I'm in property development and investment. And um, so while we do do property developments, um, we also get involved in buying property for investment. Sometimes we develop properties and we restructure the finance on them and put them into our investment property portfolio. So that investment side of the business is um, something that is just as important as the property development side. And, and I guess one of the things that it, it's been very good for, for us is providing us with a, a, um, a stream of recurring revenue, recurring monthly revenue, um, that helps us sort of, sort of iron out the cash flow in the business. Um, property development is quite a capital-intensive business. You have to put quite a lot of money into a project, and then it'll sit in the project for a while until the project's finished. And so you need something to keep you going uh, in between those peaks and troughs of of the cash flow on a property development, so property investment is um, 
is an important um, element for us. So yeah, turning to the, the question um, about my favourite um, deals, I think the one that really comes most to mind uh, as one of my favourite deals is a property that I bought um, in 2006, 2007, I can't remember exactly when, but um, around about then, um, in Acton. And what it was is uh, it was a, um, uh, a property with nine uh, flats in it and a commercial premises on the ground floor in Acton in London. And um, it was marketed, it was on the market as an HMO. And in fact, the, um, the property next to it was also on the market. And, and actually, interestingly, given that, that these days people buy properties and turn them into HMOs, my, my thoughts were actually drifting in the opposite direction. I was trying to buy this property that was an HMO. And, and what I've noticed about it is that although it was, it was licensed as an HMO, it wasn't actually an HMO. <laughs> um, an HMO is, is defined as, um, in very broad terms, uh, a property where you've got shared facilities. So you might have a shared kitchen or a shared bathroom. And in fact, in this property, there was nothing shared. So in fact, it wasn't an HMO. It was a block of flats, which happened to be licensed as an HMO. And so my thought was actually rather than, um, you know, than, than try and keep it as an HMO, actually I could buy this property, I could split it up into separate flats and, and I could split out the commercial unit. And when you looked at the values of the individual pieces of the, of the property, it turned out that that was actually a lot more than it was being sold for as a single freehold HMO. Wow. So as I recall, the, the price of this particular property was about £900,000. And so, um, in fact, in, in retrospect, the, the, the property adjoining it was also on the market at the time, and I, and I wish I'd bought both. And the reason I didn't is because um, I wanted to test a particular way of making a purchase of the property, and I didn't know if it would work or not. It turned out it did, and it turned out it worked very well. So, um, and, the, and, and the, the way that I actually purchased the property is, one of, is probably the main reason it's one of my favorite deals. So in essence, um, what I did is I, I created two companies, um, a, a parent company and a subsidiary, and I bought the um, freehold of the company with the freehold of the property with the parent company. And on the day that I bought the freehold, the parent company issued nine leases on the nine individual flats to the subsidiary company. Mm. And so because the flats were valued individually, and I raised mortgages on each individual flat. And then I also raised a commercial mortgage on the ground floor commercial premises based on the, the tenant that was in there and the yield of that tenant. What I ended up doing is I ended up raising uh, about 1.15 million on a property that, were, that I'd paid 900,000 pounds for. So in essence, on, on the, on, okay, I had to put some money into exchange contracts. I put 10% in, in fact, I think, as I recall, I may have even put 5% into exchange contracts. Um, but I had to put some money into exchange contracts. And then I negotiated a delay between exchange and completion, which I think was around about three months, just to enable me to get all the finance properly set up. I obviously started that before I that process before I exchanged. So on the day of completion, we swung the mortgage on the commercial premises into place. We swung the nine mortgages into place on the, the flats simultaneously. And I ended up walking away from the transaction with £200,000 in the bank. So, so in a sense, I put... I put about £50,000 in, and then on completion, I walked away with that £50,000 and another £200,000 of cash, legal costs of maybe 
um, I don't know, 10, 15,000 pounds. And so um, it was a deal that not only did I not put any cash into, but I actually walked away with cash on from day one. So that was just the start of it. That's, that, 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 that's why it was a good deal from the outset. Yeah. But, so with those mortgages in place, I had a net income on that property of about 6,000 pounds a month. Wow. And I sat on that property for about eight years, literally did nothing to it. Um, I sold it um, about eight years later for 1.7 million. Wow. So in essence, um, I, I bought a property that I put nothing into. Um, I took an income for it, from it for eight years, and then I made an 800,000 pound profit when I sold it. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting because although my business is property development and investment, um, that probably is the best deal or the, pre- the, the, best, <laughs> the best deal I've ever been involved in because it was a property that I bought. I, I, I did very little to. I mean, I, may, I did a little bit of maintenance on the way through, a bit yeah. of redecoration before we sold it. But um, it um, paid for itself, it generated an income, and then it generated me a significant profit when I exited it. It's pretty hard to find a deal that's that good. And my only regret is that I didn't buy both buildings simultaneously. And the reason I didn't is because I, I didn't know whether it would work or not because I hadn't done it before. Anyway, there you go. Imagine, imagine if you had both of those, um, well, that deal. That is a cracking deal, that is. It is it is a cracking deal, and uh, I always smile when I think, think when I think back uh, about how it went. I'm 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 smiling. I've wrote everything you've just said down, even though I know I'm going to be able to listen back to this. Um, yeah, but I, I do like to write that down. So what, what what's what's interesting about that deal is I, I said I think at the outset, Ryan, that hmm. it might I think it may not be well certainly certainly it, it may be possible to do a deal like that today. I don't know, but that was before the global financial crisis, and yeah. So lending criteria were more relaxed then than they are, or maybe not than they are now, but certainly than they were in the years following that. One of the issues about doing a deal like that these days is you might get caught with uh, a situation where it's difficult to put finance into place on new leases. Lenders tend to, to look in, it in a bit more detail about ex- exactly what's happening um, with things these days. So I'm not sure whether or not it would still be possible to do that. It might be, it might not be. But it was at the time, and um, yeah, if I could do it again, I would. So, what's your biggest lesson then from that deal? I think, in retrospect, um, my biggest lesson is that actually sometimes you can make a lot more money by doing nothing than <laughs> spend time and effort developing a site and selling properties at the end. If I look back at that deal and I compare it with, for example, the development that we did around about the same time. So we, we did a, an 11-house development in a place called Colford in Gloucestershire. Um, I made more money on just buying and selling that property. And by the way, obviously had no, we didn't put any cash into it apart from the, the exchange funds for a short period of time mm. um, than I did on that entire development. And I can tell you that the time and effort involved in doing that development was significant. I mean, you, you don't, Development, one of the things that I say is is development is difficult, but I also say development is detail. There's an enormous amount of detail involved in successfully delivering a property development. And I suppose that that one was particularly hard because it was the first significant size housing development that I'd done. Nevertheless, it took two to three years of my life and uh, 
and quite hard focus during that period of time to deliver it successfully. Mm. And if if I could go back and do it again, I would have just bought a couple of a couple more properties in Acton and and um, you know gone and relaxed on the beach for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of people with with development development is it's glitzy, it's glamorous, but it's it's so time intense. It is so yes. time intense. You know, you've got to spend. If, especially if you're direct to vendor, you've got to spend time building up that relationship, getting that site on option, and that's time—time time that you're not being paid for initially. And then from there, you are—you you mentioned it earlier—you're you, putting money in all the time, all the time. You're putting money in because you've got to now have surveys, you've got to have planning consultants, you've got to have architects' drawings, you've got to pay for planning. And that bit is really, really busy. And then you give it into the planners and then wait a while and then they come back to you. Yeah, no, et cetera, et cetera. But, it's set, but then, then you've done so much hard work then that you haven't been paid for. And then it's like, right, now we sell it on with planning and we make money. Okay, great. Or we build this out. And if you're building it out, it's okay. This is going to take even longer and cost me even more time that I'm not going to get paid for, um, which is just... But, but we love it, don't we? We absolutely love it. I think one of the reasons that I do development is that it brings other things to me. Yeah. Um, and I think you probably have a very similar experience being based in, in an area where you're doing a lot of stuff um, and people know who you are. It means things come to you. Um, yeah. And that the fact that you're actually in the market and you're active means that you perhaps get opportunities presented to you that might not come to other people. And so one of the reasons for doing development is that level of profile that it, it gives you. And, and yes, if you get it right, you can make money out of development, but it is hard work. And I think you, again, probably have had a similar experience to me of talking to people who have who want to start out in development and they think it's very simple. You just buy a building you do a bit of, or a site, you do a bit of work on it and then you sell it. Yeah. The amount of regulation and bureaucracy and red tape and issues that you just hadn't anticipated. Sewers, tree protection orders, adoption of roads, structural structural issues on buildings, foundation design, is your ground okay, archaeology, all of that. And then, and then by the way, dealing with contractors who, may, who maybe have a slightly different <laughs> agenda to, to what it is that you have and, and don't perhaps share your interest in getting... getting delivering a, a, a really nice, well-completed product. Um, it is, it's bloody hard work. Um, and so I, I think pe- people if, who haven't done it before don't understand that. And I know that because when I started, I didn't. I thought it was all very simple and you just had to do a few things. And yeah. I learned the hard way by finding out that, that actually um, there was a bunch of stuff that I just wasn't aware of and I, and I ended up having to do. but. I suppose once you've done it a few times, you 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 are you're then in a, pro, a position to set up a process for doing it and become more efficient at doing it and, yeah. and do larger stuff. Um, but yeah, I do sometimes question why why I bother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I I am. Um, I think one of the things that you get and you definitely need as well as a couple of things. I think you really really need tough thick skin. And I always laugh and joke and say, well, I grew up a ginger kid, so I've got really tough skin. Um, 
But I think that's one of the things you need. And I also think that people don't take into account the emotional bank account. So the amount of stress that this is going to put is going to put on you uh, potentially. You've got to take that into consideration. Um, yeah. Shall we? Um, shall we talk about then one of your favourite uh, development deals? Yeah, because yeah, I think there's going to be some really good lessons that are going to come going to come out of that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm actually struggling to to decide which one is my favourite because there are so many. And one one of the ones that comes to mind actually is the, the development of the lock warehouse in Gloucester Docks. It's a grade two listed Victorian former grain warehouse that we converted into 26 apartments with 3,000 square feet of commercial space on the ground floor. And that yeah. was one of my favourites because it's such a beautiful building and a beautiful location. But but actually, I think one of the developments that, that probably is more a favourite, and I, I think it's because as I go on, I get better at doing what I'm doing, and, I, and I, 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 at least I think I do anyway. And certainly what I'm able to do is I'm more able to spot the opportunities mm. for enhancement of value of um, sites before we start work on them. And in that context, I think there's quite an interesting story to tell about the, um, the development that we're doing in Gloucester, which is called Lime Grove. It's, it's a development of um, 12 new built houses yep. and the conversion of a former school building into seven flats. Um, and the reason that it's interesting is that when we bought the site, it had outline planning for 10 new build dwellings and the conversion of the former school building into two large semi-detached units. And that outline planning envisaged around 11,500 square feet of development on the site, and the site was valued accordingly. So we bought the site for £725,000. But when we started looking at and, and appraising the site, it became quite clear that the outline planning consent significantly, or we thought at least, significantly understated the amount of accommodation that could be achieved on the site. Yeah. And so that's why we bought it, because we thought this site has got significant consent for enhancement. In other words, more square footage, more houses, um, conversion of the school building into flats rather than two large units. It doesn't make sense to convert a building like that into, into semi-detached units because they were, they were sort of, I don't know, 3,000 3, square feet each. Who's going to buy those? Um, mm. And so it was obvious to us that planning didn't optimise the use of the site. The other thing that was interesting, and, and this is a sort of a turning problems into opportunities thing, I, I think you always, as a developer, you always have to do that. Look at a problem, say, okay, how can I turn that into an opportunity? The, the site has lots of TPO-protected trees on, them, on it. And one of the things that that, acted to do was to limit the degree to which the site could be developed. And it also made development difficult because with TPO protected trees, you, they have something called um, root protection areas and you have to be very careful about how you um, dig in those root protection areas so you don't kill the tree. In fact, the rule of thumb is that the root protection areas is twice the, um, twice, twice the, the size of the crown of the tree. So if you look at the size of essentially the, the, the bushes at the top and then you, you go to twice the size of that, then that's the area that you're talking about that you have to be careful digging or working in. And so, as I'm sure you can imagine, that can make it quite difficult when it comes to digging foundations in on a site or putting a road in or doing any other sort of work that requires some underground structure to be, to be put in there. So... The opportunity, I think, that was associated with those root, those tree, tree protect, or protected trees is that actually it limited the density of development on the site. So 
what we ended up with was a permission that actually had quite large plot sizes. And not only that, as you can, again, it's fairly easy to imagine, the presence of mature trees on a site actually makes the development very attractive. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you, had, a, if you had a completed development and you, it's all new trees, it doesn't look very well established. So that's the, the, the sense in which we saw an opportunity. We saw an opportunity to deliver something that was upmarket and smart, but also the present, with the presence of those mature trees um, gave it a real sort of gravitas and, and really nice, had a really nice feeling about it. And so what we did is we first put in a reserve matters application on this, the site, which is basically a way of converting an outline permission into a, into a detailed consent, one that you can build. And with that outline consent, we achieved about 18,500 square feet, so much bigger houses, 10, still 10 houses and still conversion of the school building, building into two large units. But that outline consent valued the site at about £1.1 million. Pounds. So, in, so in essence, what we'd done is we'd achieved about a £400,000 um, planning uplift simply by putting a reserve matters application in. Mm. That, one of, the, one of the, just just jumping in there quickly. One of the things that's really striking me about about you, Evan, and one of the skills that you've got is the ability that some of the best developers have got, and it is to add that value. So, you've you've done it time and time again. So, I'm, yeah. I'm just, just well, jumping in there. It's it's interesting because um, as I go on, the thing that I spend more and more time thinking about is acquiring sites that have that potential for value enhancement. Yeah. But, you, you need experience in order to see it, and that's the benefit that I ha- that I have now, having been doing property development for seventeen years. I can see things that might not be immediately apparent to other people because mm. I've just looked at so many sites and seen what uh, what other people have done with them, and, and and looked at the opportunities that exist on them. If we've got time, I'll touch on another site that's also very interesting from an enhancement point of view. Um, but but any in any event, what we what we ended up with on the um, the, this development in uh, Gloucester is um, we ended up getting a, a couple of additional houses in there. So um, that's two extra plots in conversion of the school building into seven flats. So we ended up with, we started with 10 houses and then two semi-detached units, large semi-detached units. We ended up with 12 new built houses and seven flats, so a total of 19 units, about 25,000 square feet, and that values the site at around about one and a half million. So that process of enhancing the planning has yielded an increase in site, basically doubled the site value before we even started work on site. And so if you ask me why that is a, a one of my favourite developments, that's why, because because we, um, we've turned something that was, you know, sort of, it was not, not small, it was a reasonable size development, but we've taken something which the margins were relatively thin on, mm. um, and by enhancing the value of it, we've created something which is, much more valuable, um, and it, we've, we've actually de-risked the project by creating much more margin in it. And how was this deal um, found then? How did this come to your attention? You know, it's funny, but some of the, some of the, um, the greatest things in business happen by mistake. Um, I'll tell you a, a little story, which maybe you've heard or maybe you haven't, but um, I don't know if you know that American Express um, was originally a transport company. And hmm? um, that's the name. They used to freight things from one side of America to the other. And they found one day that actually their customers were not shipping things with them because they didn't have a way to pay each other for those things. And so what they did is they invented a form of payment that they called the credit card. <laughs> and they offered that to their customers. <laughs> so the customers in California could, could pay 
people in New York for, for goods that they were shipping across them or vice versa. And actually, as we all know, American Express's business is now credit cards. They're one of the, they're one of the biggest credit card companies in the world. And so the interesting thing is that they started that business by mistake. You know, it wasn't what they, what they were originally doing. They just stumbled across something and it was useful to people and now it's their main business. There's a, that, that story is repeated many, many times in different industries. Nokia actually started making rubber, rubber gumboots and somehow ended up being, for a period of time, the world's largest mobile phone maker. Um, all very strange. And tyres, they made tyres as well. So um, I think the, the, the answer to the question, sorry, I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, is um, it, was, it was almost, we almost found it by mistake. I have a guy who works for me up in Gloucestershire. I said to him, we need to get you, we need to start working on your, your site appraising skills. Have a look at this site. Some, it's, it, had, it had popped into my inbox because I'm on a, on a mailing list of sites for that the, the Gloucestershire County Council sells. And I said, have a look at this, do an appraisal on it and tell me what you think. He went off and, and he did an appraisal on it. And then I sat down and I went through it with him. And, I, and, and as, as we started looking at it, I said to him, <laughs> This is the first site you've looked at. <laughs> as far as I can see, it's a really, really good site. And so, I mean, the idea was he'd go off and look at ten or twenty sites, and then and then we'd, we'd sort of filter it down to to something that we might we might look at. And what we weren't really intending to buy anything at that particular point, but it looks so good that I thought, you know what, we have to have we we need to take a run at this. And so we took we put a bid on it. Um, the bid was actually not initially accepted. We bid it up a little bit. We ended up buying the site. Um, so you could say it was almost acquired by mistake, but um, it was one of those things. We looked at it. We realized that actually we'd seen something that nobody else had seen, and so we just jumped on it. Wow. And how did you um, – well, wow, yeah. I mean, imagine that being your first site. You look at it thinking, oh, I'm quite it sure. I mean, it wasn't my first site, but it was it was the first site that Richard had properly appraised. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was as shocked as I was when we ended up buying it. Yeah. Do you think he was shocked when he was looking at it going, no, surely that can't work that way? No. I don't think he, I don't think he was seeing what I was seeing. But what he did is he did a bunch of research and he presented it back to me. And then um, I, 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 I saw the things and started relating them back to him. But I think at that point he was thinking – is he making this up or yeah. where did this come from? Yeah. So yeah, I think he found it a bit odd. But yeah. but no, he, he, he that's, and that's the interesting thing. I suppose um, you know me fifteen years ago, I probably wouldn't have seen it either um, yeah. because I, I wouldn't have known what to look for. Yeah, and but now I mean that's that's just that, that's exper that's experience and also knowing your area as well, isn't it? Knowing what size of property works in that area, the kind of person who's going to be buying it, and also experience of okay, to build in that area, um, we need to do this, 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 and this. And if we just move things a little bit, then it'll work better. Um, yeah, so you know, these, these deals are all over the place. And what's, what's really interesting is that, um, so I, I talked about another deal that has, is a, a deal which has significant potential for enhancement. We, we, we're about to exchange on a site in Kennington in SW9, which currently has a permission for 32 residential units over 20,000 square feet of commercial space. And um, that the, the GDB on that site, the gross development value, with the current permission of about twenty-three thousand pounds. Sorry, not twenty-three. What I'm talking about, twenty-three million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe back in nineteen oh one. But 
The thing that's really interesting about that site is that it has significant potential for enhancement and, and probably not as a residential scheme, probably more as a commercial scheme. Yep. We planning that we think that we can get on that site, and the, the consent is currently very, very lazy, but the planning that we think we can get on that site, we could end up with gross development value of something like £70 million. Wow. And so that, that would have the effect of enhancing the site value from, from the from the $8.7 million that it is at the moment up to something like $20.5 million. Um, now, now uh, that, that's just the site value. <laughs> so yeah. you've, got, you've got the development profit on top of that. So that is a cracking deal. Now, we're, we're, that's not one that we're doing on, on, our own, on our own. We're doing that as a joint venture with a, a private equity fund, a family office um, who are um, backing us and funding us in doing it. But um, when you find a deal that has that much margin for enhancement in it, it makes it very interesting for me. Mm, I definitely I think do you know what we'll do we'll get you back on the podcast and that one's a little bit further on and um, go into detail and do a whole episode on that because I think that'll be that'll be really really cool so the I'd love to I mean we're supposed to be exchanging on Friday so I can't say too much more about it I'm sorry not on Friday it's Friday next week so I can't say too much more about it now but I'd love to talk to you about it in more detail yeah, definitely. I think that'll be um, that'll be a really good episode. So the one that we are talking about right now, then, how was that funded then? The the site in Gloucestershire. Yes. Uh, so we bought in two lenders. Um, we bought in BLG Business Lending Group for the senior debt, and BLG have a um, mezzanine arm that they call CVS Private Equity. They bought in some mezzanine funding for us. So we, we stuck the two together. We put in a bit of cash of our own, uh, about a hundred and. £20,000, I think. Yep. Um, that's how we acquired the site originally. Fantastic. So what what were the, what happened during the refurb then? Or, well, not the refurb, the build. So we've only just started work on site. Um, yep. yeah, we started work on site um, about three to four months ago. Uh, we put in the, the, the sewerage, we put in the drainage. Um, so there's stormwater and sewerage. The road is going in. Um, the foundation for the show home, which is the first plot we'll be building, should be going in around about now. Mm. By the end of the month, the, the timber frame for that will be up. So we are at quite an early stage with it. So we, we also completed demolition on that um, late last year. That's that, that project is one that we raised some investment on. We bought, we raised £1.13 million in equity on that project through Crowd With Us in November last year. So we, we bought some equity to, to, to help us um, restructure the finance and, and on that deal and put it into a state where we could um, we could develop it out. Fantastic. And um, how how did that that go? How did that crowdfunding campaign go? Um, very well. Um, we we raised six hundred thousand pounds on the first day. Yep. Um, we had eight hundred and forty thousand pounds raised in the first week, and then the remaining amount of one of that one point three one three million came in uh, over the over the period of about three weeks. So. It'd be nice to say that we 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 raised it all in twenty four hours, but we, we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> we raised one hundred thirty thousand pounds in eighteen hours on a previous project. So I guess it'd be nice to think that it would have gone quicker, but that's fine. If we can raise that sort of money in, in three weeks, we're we're happy enough with that. I think as time goes on, more people become aware of what we're doing. Um, yeah. We you know part of part of the reason that I'm keen to appear on podcasts like yours is so that more people get to, get to know about us, and I, I think. Going forward, we will be able to raise um, equity funding faster. Our next raise will be about four and a half million pounds, and it will be on this project in um, in Kennington. In fact, mm. wow! Well, I, I think it's I think it's great that people people like you are using 
are using crowdfunding as well and and being so open um about your your projects and also what what i really like that you do is you do get out there so you are on the socials and you do come on podcasts like this and that's great for me because i really like having good guests on um so well, yeah, I, I really enjoy doing this actually right and i yeah. think um one of the things i i love about speaking is um is answering questions i i think people always have lots of questions about property development how it works what how different things are, uh, what the best way to do particular things are and i really really enjoy that interaction so um it's something that i want to continue doing more and more of. do you find as well so i know just going off the property tangent i have regular listeners know that i'm into betfair and i've got betfair training business and i get a lot of questions put at me about about betfair and stuff and trading, et cetera, et cetera, in my community and my members pay for that access. And one of the things that I really like about it is it might be a really trivial question that I know and I've answered so many, so many times, but I really like the fact that I can keep answering it because it keeps it fresh in my mind. Do you find that as well? Well, it's interesting. Yes, I believe that going through that process of having to explain things and present them to other people and answer questions actually sharpens you up it makes you better at what you do because knowing how to do something is one thing evaluating whether or not you're doing it the best possible way and actually having to verbalize that and and get it across to somebody in a way that makes sense forces you to step through the process and so actually i believe that you actually get better at what you do by by having to talk about it and having to answer questions about it i think it makes you sharper Mm. and so um but but also I think the the other thing is when you do something and when you are good at it or you've been doing it for a long time or you're experienced at it, you tend to assume that everybody else knows what you know, yeah. and so you don't realise what you know because because you know it you think well everybody must know that and it's not true. Um, we are are sitting on an immense amount of experience and and value and information that that people other people may find very interesting, and so um, I think. If, people, if somebody asks a question, it's because they don't know the answer. And while it might seem straightforward to you, mm. um, the the answer may be incredibly valuable to them, even if it seems obvious to you. Yeah. And I, I'm so with you. I think sharpening, it's, it is always about sharpening. And you, you stay on top of your game by by asking. And I I learned so much from, from the people around me. And I, I just absolutely love asking questions yeah. as well. Uh, you and I had a long chat before this podcast, and as I said, I wish we'd, we'd captured that, but um, I've learned an immense amount from you just from that chat. So I'm looking forward to interviewing you on, on one of my future um, vlogs because uh, I think the degree to which you automate things is is is, uh, is just eye-opening. It's amazing. So, yeah, I'm, such a, I'm such a geek for automation. It's just like... I, as we were, we keep referring to, we were speaking about it before. If I can automate a task, if I can get a computer to do that task faster than a human uh, and to better accuracy, I will. Um, and even down to, to crazy things. I mean, just I have all of my um, attachments in every email anyone sends me automatically added to Google Drive, which is one of my favorite um, little automations ever. Um, but you have been. Yeah, an it's interesting because because you know I I consider myself to be a technology geek, but you take it to anything. Yeah, I'm a real geek for technology. I know, <laughs> and I never studied like computer science or anything like that. I just I've always been um, a gadgety a gadgety guy, and I've always yeah. liked. 
being able to use technology and then seeing the impact that that can have in my business. And I think it's because I've been, I've been not on my own a lot of the time. I've had really good people around me, but I've been able to build good teams. And then I've been able to use technology to enhance that um, and, that's, and help me out doing some of my processes um, the way that I like them to be done as well, um, which is which is really great about, about technology. So I think we're probably running to the end of the interview there. So you have been an absolute legend and I know that I've learned so much from you and I've got loads of notes. If people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to get in touch? So visit our website, which is www.melthomes.co.uk. Um, you, you can email me on even at melthomes.co.uk. If you've, I'm most in, active on social media on Instagram, so it's just at Evan Maindonald or at Melt Homes if you want the more kind of company-based stuff. Um, but I'm also on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, I'm on Twitter, um, but Instagram probably is the place to go if you if you want to get the most sort of frequent updates on whatever it is I happen to be doing at a particular time. Fantastic. And Evan, thank you very much for coming on. I'll make sure that all of those are popped below the show notes so that you can just click them and get straight to those profiles. Once again, Evan, thank you for coming on. A real pleasure. Thank you for uh, the opportunity.